Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. What's going on, boys? How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Not so, not so bad. Not so bad. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my lady's birthday. So, oh, um, nice, we nice. Went to Carmel, spent the day out there. Oh, went to okay. eat. Okay. Just kind of relaxed. Went to see Halloween ends. Oh, and you dude. know what? I'm glad they ended it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've heard it's terrible. Not like it's. There's there's definitely some cheesy ass parts, oh, man. Yeah. But they actually ended the series. Seriously, <laughs> until next day. Basically, so, they so did they exactly what totally horror real. movies are supposed to do, which is like fully kill the bad guy. They'll they'll write some new shit up. Yeah. They, oh, of course he comes back. To the dead <laughs> It'll dead. be some mad scientist stupid. that's trying to use some freaking cells, oh, God, stem cell so research, yeah. or nanobites. They'll use yeah, nanobytes and recover. Oh my god! What behind the grinder? What is it? I go and catch. Finally, yeah. Got him. They'll clone him. Oh, yeah, they'll clone him. DNA. They'll clone him. Yeah, I saw a comment. One of the coaches I follow. He's all like, "I literally just walked out of my own living room. Watched." He goes, "I'm watching Halloween ends," and I. Got up and walked out of my own living room. <laughs> I was like, that pretty much says what, what you thought about the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, you're in your own living room. He's like, I can't take this shit. Because I can't take it. He got to the point where it's like, for real, like, this doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Sure. How many Halloweens have there been? Too many. Eight? No. What? If you're talking about remakes, I think there's been. Because they're all tied nine? together. Yeah, they're all tied nine? together. Okay. If, but Rob Zombie's ones are actually separate. That's the only oh, ones yeah. that's actually separate. Yeah. And I actually liked his. He will give his, like, Rob does Two films job. with like shit. I actually uh, like this one. Rob's not bad. He's got a unique taste. He does. He, you have to like gotta, certain types yeah. of movies to like it. I like his music. Mm-hmm. I can't say I'm a big fan of his horror movies. Oh, yeah. Like a like a thou- house of a thousand corpses. That right. was mm, I like, weird. Yeah, they're you yeah, they're, it's a unique they're, taste. Yeah. Even in even within the horror genre, Rob Zombie has a, a very particular, particular fan base mm-hmm. and uh, it's not me. Like I've watched a handful of his movies, and I've just I usually turn them off before they're over because I'm just like it just doesn't. I'm like eh, I could care less. It doesn't hold a lot of water. It doesn't hold a lot. Of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how was your weekend? It was good, man. We went to the pumpkin patch. Oh, awesome. We went to uh, we went to Half Moon Bay. Oh, oh nice, yeah. nice. Dude. Just because, like, I know it's not that hot right here. But, but it was warm. Dude, standing on hay in the sun for a couple hours, it's like 75, 85, 85 degrees is horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're like, let's get out of here. Let's go to Half Moon Bay. That's what's up, um, man. Hung out for a couple hours. It was good, man. Just let the kids run around, you know, loading, pulling his wagon. He just kept throwing pumpkins inside. <laughs> I want this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm only taking so many. You got, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good deal, man. It was like five uh, pumpkins as big as you want for 40 bucks. That's not what? Bad, yeah. man. Big as you want. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's that's a good shit. Shit. Okay. That's, that's a, deal. a pretty good price. Yeah. So pretty yeah that's good. a steal, man. All right. Cool. Okay. Yeah, that's that's then there's there's like tractors and different rides. Yeah. You can do a hay ride and shit like that. The hay ride, man, is. That's such a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> it, totally, it really is. Yeah. My kids love it though. They love yeah. it. Kids yeah. love it. It's one of those things as a parent, you're like, yes, I gotta do it. Always rides like 15 minutes. How much is it? 10 bucks a piece. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It feels expensive nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Cost, you know, yeah. gas prices a lot. <laughs> so they're just factoring that in. They're like, oh, normally it's eight. Yeah. But lately, we've been bump, bump, bumping it up to 10. Yeah, and yesterday, uh, you know, Nova and Layla, they went to a birthday party, so it was me and Logan all day. 
So I went to the playground. Right. I just run around with him, man. I let him. I let him bike, and I try to chase him, and I okay. get my. You get, get your exercise in. Nice. That's what I've been trying to do, and it's uh, it's interesting, man. Like my my conditioning's gotten way better without any like specific running. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Know? I'll just throw it in there, and so I've been trying to sprint every single day. Oh, okay, uh, but okay. Within the context of playing, right, right. Oh, got you. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. not so, just oh, no, devoted sprinting, yeah. but just in that. Yeah, I'll just go. I'll go. All right, I'm gonna go. He's he's biking. I'm gonna let him go, and I'll run. Hell yeah. Get them down. Hey, that makes it fun, man. But you, like, thinking about it growing up, it's like I ran every single day. There was yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There isn't a yeah, single yeah, day yeah, that yeah. kids don't yeah. run. Mm-hmm. So why don't we run every single yeah. day? Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a mile road. It doesn't have to be two miles. It's just random running. Yeah. It's what they do. And it's it was what that warm up. And we don't warm up for it. That's what's funny is, is we get to be adults. Yeah. We're told we got to warm up. Like 15 minutes. Right? You got to warm up. But, like, I always joke because I'm like, well, if somebody comes by and steals your wife's purse, you know, you, it's not like you get a notice. It's not like, like hey, hold up, hold oh, up. Oh, wait a second. Let me uh, limber up here before you do yeah. that so I can run <laughs> after you. No. Yeah, no, true, true. Like, you just run, mm-hmm. right? So it's that ready state. So like, that's, but that's how you keep it. You just you you do, do, do it yeah. every single day. Right? I agree. Yeah. So it kind of makes you think about do we, is what we experience later on because we, we stop we doing stop. that, right? So, we yeah. stop. Yeah. yeah. And then when we do try to put it back in, everything's so deconditioned mm-hmm. that if we would just kept doing it, we wouldn't have those. Because I've been trying to do this for about a month and a half now. Oh, like, okay. Purpose. Okay. And I can just tell, like, I went, you know, I tried to go run a little bit. I'm like, oh, it's feeling easier. Mm-hmm. Feel more bouncy. Everything just feeling springier. And it's, yeah, it translates, man. And they're not, they're not long runs. No, they're, they're short. Just, short. Yeah. just boom. Yeah, they're short. It's like quick little sprints. Yeah, quick little sprints. Maybe you know, every now and then, maybe it's like two, 300 yards. Okay. Bike and I try to chase them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, good, man. And then they get away. And I'm like, all right. It's so long as long as like you fall, you run over there, make sure they're not, you know, bleeding dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good, dude. That is true, though, man. Spontaneous just activation. Boom. Can you do it? Yeah. Because you're not pushing yourself to the point of like you're not really getting super tired. They don't do that. The kids don't. No, do no, no. They, they just, don't. they go, they do it for play. They're like, it's, it's faster if I run there. So I'm going to go run there. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting way to think about, uh, getting your running in. Yeah. You know? and, and then when they're tired, they had to stop. Until yeah. They feel recovered again. Then they go. Like it's, they, they self-regulate a lot better yeah. than like adults do. Yeah. Without even knowing mm-hmm. it. Right. Cause you think about as we were kids, how long could we do that for? All day. All, all day. day. Yeah. All day. Right. All day. We were like Captain America. Yeah, I can yeah. do this shit all day. Yeah. I mean, we really could. Yeah. I mean, parents threw us out of the house at, 9, 10 a.m., don't bring your ass back till dinner time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you did. Like, yeah. you didn't even think twice about it. You were just out and about. Well, since I've been doing it, I mean, I've been getting like 12 to 15, 16, 17,000 steps. Mm-hmm. Really? All those days. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But without thinking about, I'm not necessarily like taking out, you know, an hour of my day to go sprint. Yeah. I oftentimes think about, do people succeed in spite of what we tell them in many ways, mm-hmm. as far as the fitness industry as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're always like, you got to program everything. You got to program this, program that. At least, you know, how people uh, view fitness. Yeah. Like, I got to program everything. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah. Do you, though? But do we? Yeah. But do we? And I've asked that for a long time. But do we have to program everything? I think for 99% of 
trainees that don't have very, very specific goals, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? Yeah. But it's like you just said, for the bat, like 99%, right? They're not looking at three weeks of this phase, three weeks of this phase, right? So we've taken something that we've designed for a very specific demographic, and we've just said, okay, now everybody needs to do this. Yeah. But you're, well, you're right. It's, who does that, right? Who sticks to just three weeks of justice and that? So it's kind of interesting. Like, do people succeed in spite of what we give them as a whole, as an industry whole, not, a, not the three of us? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're very different in that regard. I think people would have more success if we just encourage more play. Yeah. I think that's the thing. If we just stop looking at it as extra. If we got them to stop looking at it as exercise and just got them to start looking at it more like, just go play. Just go do something yeah. you like. Go enjoy something. I think there's more success there than going, you have to go to the gym for this amount of time, this many days a week and do this and do that and whatever. Sometimes people don't need a lot of organization that way. Well, there's a new series on Netflix called The Human Playground. Oh, dude. Dude, that looks yeah. dude, it's so good. You haven't watched it? It's so legit. It's so good. But so the, legit. all the episodes together just mm -hmm. come under one thing. Play is play. Yeah. And humans, that's what we do, whether it's for like the first episode was breaking the pain barrier, right? Mm -hmm. Do we play to prove something to ourselves or others and, and yeah. push past that pain barrier, which I thought was a huge topic, right? In, mm -hmm. in health and fitness, mm -hmm. like how much do we do? Like, should we be doing this? That's always the big debate, right? Yeah. Is this appropriate for so-and-so? And is this something they can adapt to? But I thought that was a fantastic first episode to talk about yeah. that, especially mm -hmm. that Marathon de Sable, right? It's insane, man. It's like I mean, so it's 250 it's miles oh, over the geez. 250 kilometers over the Sahara. Yeah. Mm. I mean, insane. It's, it's insane to think about that, mm -hmm. right? Six days, 250 kilometers. At temperatures, they said at 133 this past year, you know, and like the woman they highlighted in there, she's uh, an amputee, not, not to ruin it, yeah. but yeah, they, she's amputee, and you're like, dude, this lady, like that's, and she wasn't like 35 years old, no, she was older, oh, she was old, no, she's older, she had a car accident, Whoa. yeah, she was yeah. car, she was hit by a car at a younger mm -hmm. age, but it was interesting, it's, this, she's trying to prove something to herself, yeah. not to anybody else, no, she's like, I'm doing this for me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to see if this is something I can accomplish. You know, I'm pushing through that pain barrier, which unfortunately she couldn't, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, her body just seized up. Well, I mean, it just went into rebellion. But even still, put, getting to that point mentally and being okay with that process and like just seeing how far you go, that's respectable. Because majority of people aren't going to do that. Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody wants yeah, to it's that mental be at toughness, that level right? of discomfort or whatever the case may be and pushing themselves that far. That takes a whole lot mentally that people don't necessarily understand. Well, 1,300 people entered. It was March of this past year. Mm -hmm. 1,300 people entered this year and 40 people finished. That is that's staggering. That's 3%. 3%. Less than 3%. Yeah, one person died. Yeah. yeah. Some people would look at that and go, see, the person died. It wasn't worth it. But it's like, but I, they, they knew what they were getting themselves into. Right. So there's that whole debate of, you know, are you living or are you alive? Mm -hmm. You know, the, it opens up that debate, you know, and, and what these people are doing is just is to prove to themselves mm -hmm. that I have not only the physical ability to push through this, but the mental toughness to push through it and, and to overcome and go, okay, everybody else is quitting. I'm still going to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. But is that mo more mental toughness or callousness, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? 
you know, that book that I'm listening to now, Do Th- Do Hard Things, they talk about that difference, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between toughness and callousness, mm-hmm. right? So toughness is when things do get tough, do you stay with it? Even when you have failure, you still push, mm-hmm. you still go through it, you still go through it, where callousness is just all like, can you just get through yeah. it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's callousness is more of what the military does to you. And so that there's that difference between those two. Mm-hmm. But no, that's, I love that show. Yeah. We finished that whole thing. Well, I was telling my client about it and, you know, I was talking to her and, and she is different, right? Like she came to me because she wanted to get her knees stronger before her knee replacement. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. She ended up not needing it. And um, I think everyone, they start training. They may not like it at first. But they start getting into it and they just want to get better and better and better. And they would just, it's this natural inclination to just level up all the time. And that's all, what that is right there. It's like you get into something, whatever your why is, and then you just go with it. Mm-hmm. Like, people, why do I climb? So I just, I love it. Like, it, it gives me a good feeling. But people look at it and go, why would you do that? Like, it's, it's stupid. You can hurt yourself, blah, 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 blah. Right. It's like, yeah, I can. I have. You yeah. know, it pushes me. It pushes myself. It challenges me. People tell you, well, you, you might get hurt climbing. How many people get hurt bending over to pick something up off the floor every day of their life? I was just going right? to say that. How many people get hurt? How many people roll their ankle walking on a stair because yeah. st- they misstepped, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. So it's all it's all relevant to the individual, right? So I we see we well what we do we see injuries. It's it's the, it's just tap part of the process. It's part of the process, yeah. right? You know, especially when you hear well, the best one is, is always oh I injured myself sneezing. Oh, that, that should never yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. But you you got you pulled your back sneezing, or you tweaked an oblique sneezing, that type of thing, or you jammed up your neck sneezing. You're mm-hmm. like, huh. Interesting. Like it shouldn't be that fragile. Yeah. Shouldn't be that fragile, shouldn't be that right? Fragile. You yeah. should have way more resiliency mm-hmm. than that. But I think it's kind of like we're talking about where like what you do as a kid shapes how you are as an adult. Mm-hmm. So like if you're someone who is active and does get into sports or whatever the case is, I think there's that natural inclination a little bit more towards that group where there's like, well, what's the best I can do at this particular thing? So it's just like we're climbing. You enjoy climbing. Yes, there's a risk of being hurt. And you know that going into it, but that doesn't mean you don't want to try to do the best that you can or get to a certain level and be like, you know what? I'm actually good at the level I'm at. I don't feel the need to get any better. Mm -hmm. I just feel the need to maybe refine things. Maybe I can get a little bit more efficient at this particular aspect that that I'm in, but it's not a... I want to climb as high as, as high as I can. Yeah. Because not everybody wants to be a professional or an expert at what they mm-hmm. do. Looking back, the way you play, the mentality you have when you play mm-hmm. really makes who you are as you get older, mm-hmm. right? Hockey is a, a good example, right? Hockey players are known for not giving a shit as far as injury-wise. We get busted open in the mouth, stitch me up. And get me back on on the ice. As long as I can stand on two two legs and skate, mm-hmm. I'm playing, right? And so we go through the NHL playoffs every year, and then the, you know a litany of injuries after a team gets eliminated. Of oh, this player was playing with this with this issue, and this player was playing with this issue, and you're like, holy shit, you were skating on a broken leg? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're like, that's the way I was brought up. Mm-hmm. You get injured, as long as you can skate, you you get back in there. Mm-hmm. So. And so that physical contact and injury was not, was something I was never scared of. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of me was like, I want to initiate that, especially like playing football. Oh God. Like I want to initiate contact. I don't want to wait for contact. Mm-hmm. I want to be the person initiating it, right? I remember Walter Payton 
talked about that in interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why he ran the way he ran is because he's like, look, I'm not waiting for the defender to hit me. I'm the offensive player. Yeah. I'm going to lay into the defender because every time that person comes up to tackle me later in the game, they're going to hesitate because mm-hmm. they're not used to that offensive player getting being into aggressive. them yeah. and being aggressive. And you have better leverage too, you know? Mm-hmm. Your, yeah, yeah. Right? your momentum is going forward. You're increasing your output and power output mm-hmm. before they are. You get to pick the spot where you want to hit with. Yeah. Initiate contact versus them, right? And then you're reacting to what they do. But I think, yeah, the way you approach the play, and maybe some people would say it's reckless, but I think that goes a long way to, to when you're older, how you approach mm-hmm. certain things. Yeah. Even when you approach your training, you'll approach it a little little differently. Mm -hmm. You know, you go, okay, well, there's a little bit of failure. It's fine. I'll succeed because we're designed to fail. But then we want to overcome those failures. Yeah. We don't just go, okay, I'm going to go home. Oh, yeah. There's this climb right now. It's the V9. I've tried like 50 times at least. And I get Mm -hmm. to the top and fall every single time. (laughs) Every time, man. I just can't. I can't figure out the move. I can't like... I'll keep trying it until they take it down. Until they take it down. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got X amount of time before they take that down. So you're like... Probably down now. Yeah. I think they're probably going to set it soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because what has been eight weeks I've tried this thing. Six to eight weeks probably. It has been a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Just... I know they were resetting the wall. I was there this morning. I got to climb in this morning. Was it near the front desk? Uh, no, no, it was off to the. Oh, you might have a chance. So you might have a chance. <laughs> no, it was the when you walk in to the far left. Yeah. yeah. So that that's where they were changing this morning. But you didn't. But that missing that climb didn't deter you. No. From continuing to try. Yeah, let's try it. So like that's that mental toughness of all right. I didn't get it the last thirty or forty times I tried yeah. it. That doesn't mean I'm gonna stop. It's just I'm gonna come back to it another time. Yeah. yeah, but it's a great show. I think uh, when I've, I think the other thing too about that show was I love sh- how they show how people play in different countries, mm-hmm. right? And so the one in Africa, oh the wrestlers, no, no the sticks. Oh yeah, I mean you know I mean this is something that goes back centuries and centuries, yeah, right? But it's like a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage, and some people look at that and go, oh hell, but that's something that this these tribes. Have done for ages and ages. I think we need that today too. Maybe not that specific one. Not we that. Need some sort of rite of passage. We don't. I, have one. Yeah. We don't actually. True. We do it. That's true. Interesting. Yeah. Now you say that we don't. We don't. Mm-mm. As a country, we don't. Mm-mm. We don't really do that. It's kind college, of college. Isn't it either? That's not. A no, problem. that's no. not a rite of passage. No, 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 no. Especially if you're talking, you know, with the way some of the campuses are doing, you know, like if, you know, a speaker comes on that's a little different than what your viewpoint is, a lot of cancellation, right? Like, oh, we don't want to allow the speaker on campus. You're like, no, university is where you're supposed to be challenged in your thought, in your dogmas and ideologies. And even if you don't agree, the ad, the act of being around somebody that's making you uncomfortable is a part of life yeah because then when you enter the workforce guess what you're going to be dealing with people that you're uncomfortable around yeah so you got to figure out Mm -hmm. you got to figure it out how are you going to interact with this person how are you going to interact with this with this uh circumstance Hmm. so to speak right but people don't know how to problem solve nowadays yeah things are so lack of critical thinking yeah yeah Mm -hmm. well well then again there you know there's there's programming right yes Right? Mm-hmm. So people want a program. Tell me what to do. Right? But you're like, yeah, but if I tell you what to do, then you don't really learn what to do. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. 
right? And we talk about that difference between training and coaches. Mm -hmm. Trainers implement, coaches figure shit out. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I mean, I want to give you information. I want to give you education so that way when you're on your own, you'll be able to go, ah, I need to do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Cool. Then for me, I did my job. Yeah. Like, I love when a client can say, well, I did this, this, and this because I, I knew this is what I what I needed for myself. Mm -hmm. Freaking sweet. Yeah, yeah. Right? But I think what's funny is in, in that approach, I think some trainers are afraid of losing clients. But you're like, no, you're showing value mm -hmm. even more when you can get a client to learn for what you're trying to teach them. Yeah. To the point where they're super confident to even train on their own. Right. Wasn't that the point? Yeah. Right. That to was the whole point. To point to where... They can self-sustain when yeah. that time comes. Yeah. Yeah, because I haven't had that experience of, like, giving all this stuff away. Yeah. You know, yeah. Losing someone because you gave, like, I know what to do exactly to do now. I'm, I'm out, Neil. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't, oh, that you'll typically find, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Because there's other factors to it, too. Yeah. It's not just, uh, oh, I know everything. It's, well, also know that you can teach me more as you learn more. So I find that renewal of information mm -hmm. to be very valuable. No. Or they just simply like training with you. And then also the extra set of eyes is a, it's a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. It's yeah. a big deal. Because they may not have, they don't have it. So they, mm -hmm. you know, you'll get, even if, if it's a client that you are seeing three, four times a week, and then as the years go on, they come into you once a week, mm -hmm. right? They're still there. You're still a part of their life. Yeah. And because they still see the value in what you bring to them. Mm -hmm. Big time. Yeah. Nice. I know we, one of the things we want to talk about is, you know, with last couple episodes we did, internal external hip rotation mm -hmm. so figure we'll move upstream and talk about shoulder mobility mm -hmm. and the importance of internal external shoulder rotation i think what's interesting i was on youtube and i want to see if there was any videos of people talking about the importance of internal external rotation and all that ever came up was exercises for internal external rotation yeah yeah, yeah. but it's it's it was like i was like man tell people why they need to have internal external rotation just don't tell them just do this yeah like What's one of the main reasons why you need internal external rotation? Shoulder stability, hands down. If you don't have access to those ranges or have access to the rotational capacities, you immediately lose stability if you're in a certain position. Either if that's overhead or if you're working with dumbbells in particular, dumbbells is a really, really good tool to use. But if you don't have good shoulder control, well, now you lose some of that stability factor. But also the connection to the tissues, too. Yeah. If I can't properly internally rotate as I'm moving through a certain range, well, I can't connect to those tissues as well. I mean, you'll just still lose movement. You'll lose access to just basic daily life movements. Um, your shoulder's supposed to rotate. Mm -hmm. That's what it does. You know, you should have all these degrees of freedom in your shoulder. Now, if you lose that, you might not be able to wipe your ass. You yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, something as simple as that. Yeah. Right? You might not be able to shampoo your hair, mm -hmm. uh, you know, grabbing a, yeah, grabbing a towel and going behind your head. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is, just simple things. So reaching up the you know, the cupboard, uh, putting your seatbelt on. So I think at the very, <laughs> very basis of everything is just daily function. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because my mother-in-law lives with us. And yeah, she, we Sherry has to dry her hair because she just doesn't have, she's lost that external shoulder range of motion to get the towel behind her head. You know, she's 86, but still it's kind of like, uh, some people say, well, she's 86. But at the same like, time, you're like, is that is just that an excuse? Really, yeah, right? Yeah. Is that just an excuse? Or, yeah, she should still have that, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of that, I think, well, because the internal shoulder rotators are stabilizers first. So I think I know we 
as an industry, don't really teach people how to create stamina in that stabilization, right? So holding an arm out there with a weight and just building up stamina in the shoulder tissues is lacking there from a longevity standpoint. But I think what's interesting too, because we always talk about grip strength, but that grip strength is what helps dictate how your shoulder responds. Yeah. And so that's something that we want to start to get people reinforced to people too, is here, when you grab something, then you're affecting how that shoulder responds. And a lot of this, the internal, external rotation drills, you just don't see anything involvement with the hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And they may see him holding a band or a weight. That's not like. You're not getting your arm locked. Arm line mm-hmm. locked in mm-hmm. manipulation because then it's all, they'll just hold the band and pull out, you know, in and out or whatever, but that's kind of done mindlessly as a fact, as, a, as opposed to just okay, really grip, create, increase that torque and increase that arm line tension to really get better feedback into the shoulders. Yeah, you just, you just can't create as much force without your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So yeah, even something as simple as getting up and down off the floor can be affected if you lack shoulder internal or external mm-hmm. shoulder rotation. Yeah, because your body knows this and it's going to be like, eh, I don't really know if we can go load this shoulder in this position. Yeah. Or when you get it, when you do load it, the tissues aren't prepared for it, and then all of a sudden, bing, mm-hmm. an injury takes place. Yeah, even getting put out, getting up out of a chair, yeah, mm-hmm. armrests, you have to get into shoulder extension yeah. to push off. So if somebody's missing shoulder extension. Well, now you decrease that 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 easiness mm-hmm. of getting up and out of a chair. What do you think the like most simple things you can do just on a daily basis, not not involving um, any tools or any exercises? Uh, but to keep your shoulders healthy, like just for the, the average person that doesn't want to go to the gym, doesn't want to work out. Honestly, explore movements, just reach for things in different positions. Honestly, that's it. Like you don't have to do anything particularly special, but instead of everything being directly in front, try to reach for something overhead or try to reach for something behind you or something stupid. Like if you go, like if you reach behind you to grab a cup and then bring it back around, well, that's, you're working your shoulder mobility without actively loading it or thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, when we talk about cars, you know, controlled Mm -hmm. articular rotations, right? You can do something like that, but then understand the focus of where you're trying to get that movement from, which is the part that people may not get. Oh yeah. Right. So there's that, you know, you got to work what we call the GH joint versus the scapula. So we want to make sure we're working both of those areas. But yeah, I think something just as simple as even just putting your arms behind your back and that internal rotation. For me, I like to put my knuckles together and push them together. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to pinch a piece of paper back there. And then even external shoulder rotation doing the same thing, trying to push the knuckles together just to reinforce that position. Yeah, I love that one. Just going back and forth between boom and boom. Behind your back, Mm -hmm. behind your head. Right? Yeah, that's a great one. But then also knowing, am I getting into my Mm -hmm. spine to do that or am I not getting into my spine to do that? And and that's, that's something that somebody may not have awareness of doing that, right? So if you need a set of eyes, you know, that's when you go to a coach that, you know, can say, okay, yeah, you're not using the area that you think you're using. Yeah. But yeah, I think just basic, just daily that drill, time, yeah. just a simple one. Let's address both of them. Then we talk on our online exam. That's one of the questions. Yeah. yeah. You know, what is required to reach for your lower back? Internal shoulder rotation. Yeah. What the other question on the exam that may pop up for them is, what do you have, what shoulder motion do you have to do to scratch the back of your head? External shoulder rotation. Right. And you know, when uh, if you're really active and you, you do things that require so much anterior tissues, like 
say climbing and bench press, all this stuff. When you do that simple, you know, behind the head, behind the back, like your shoulders will be burned. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 They'll, yeah. They'll be working really hard. Yeah. Especially when you get them back there, you start to push. Yeah. And then you start to create distance between the back mm-hmm. and the arms. You start to pull, push into it a little bit further. Yeah. And that's where you get that nice little cramp response, right? And you're like, okay, I'm getting better at it. But when you can feel that you're creating more movement through the joints, that's where you're like, okay, this is paying off. Yeah. Right? I'm feeling the benefits of it. Did you find that during, like, your powerlifting um, training that you lost a little shoulder mobility? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, at least for me, like, I had to actually set aside time to train in shoulder mobility just to keep from getting hurt. But like the, the thing about it is, is that that was just to keep me at baseline, which is one of the things I actually don't really like about like benching so many times a week or doing pulls so many, so many times a week, because it's depending on the person. If somebody does, like you said, right, like a lot of anterior dominant stuff, yeah. then should they really be doing as many push movements as they're doing pull movements? No, they shouldn't. They should be doing more pull movements and push movements. Yeah. And so figuring that aspect out itself does pay off but just baseline yeah I, I did have to train shoulder mobility more often than I, I found just to kind of keep a certain level of movement or to keep it from decreasing you know i find the same thing even with as varied as the positions are and climbing everything's still in front of you yeah right and you're always compressing yeah. no. you're always compressing no matter what position you're in you're always pulling down but i've had to put a little extra work into keeping the shoulders mobile so where's that what's the cutoff so, like, if you're doing something, let's say you do yeah. lose a little bit of shoulder mobility, is that okay if you lose a tiny bit yes, for that particular yeah. activity? Yeah. To be stronger, to yeah. be stiffer, yeah. Mm-hmm. For that, yeah. For, for climbing, for something like that, you want to be a little bit stiffer. A little bit, right? Yeah. You want to lose. I still want to be able to pick my arm up overhead because yeah. you're constantly reaching up overhead. But to be able to have contact strength and pull as fast as you can, it's, it's almost like... Um, running and sprinting right if you if you want to run faster you need a stiffer achilles mm-hmm. like yeah it has to happen like ground contact time has to be as quick as it can be yeah so it's almost the same thing with catching a hold with your arms so it's your upper body well i know we talked before about how muscle mass also affects range of motion through the shoulders mm-hmm. so if you're going to if you're aiming to get more mass to the shoulders, right, the shoulder boulders, so to speak, it's going to come with a consequence, and that consequence is a decreased range of motion. Yeah. So it's the pro and the con of that. Mm-hmm. The pro is, oh, yeah, you, you people will see the shoulders and go, damn. Yeah. Right? The con is, is yeah. Can't wipe your own ass. <laughs> there may be a trade-off, right? So yeah. and there's obviously it depends on the baseline of the person, right? If there's like those outliers that are like really big, really muscular, but have like awesome shoulder mobility, that's the few. That's the that's few. a very few. But right? like the ma- the vast majority of people that end up putting on like more mass, more muscle, whatever, they lose a lot of that capability. But if they added that aspect of training in that capability would diminish a lot like the, the, the diminishing effects would be a lot smaller you're taking that aspect of how can i better incorporate certain aspects into my training as i'm getting better bigger to keep these movements better which will decrease your likeliness of injury as you go on but it's just the focus is it depends on what you're focusing on mm-hmm. yeah i know the one thing i've been playing around a lot more with personally lately is just opening up rotational capacity yeah. and seeing and feeling and seeing the consequences and the results of increased shoulder mobilization 
Oh yeah. yeah, a lot of people forget that the spine has everything to, to do, do with your spine. Yeah, but the the fascial restriction that kicks in when you don't have rotational capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, does take a toll on the hips and the shoulders. Yeah, so you've got to be able. So when people are like, oh, I was told not to rotate. No, you mm -hmm. you have to rotate. Yeah. So we got to figure out what's not taking place that's creating an issue when you do rotate. You're, you know, you get people like, oh, I hurt myself rotating, so I don't do that anymore. But, mm -hmm. okay, well, let's figure out why Why did that happen, right? Yeah. What was restricted or what did you not have capacity with or a skill set of, right? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the tissues that connect the rib cage to the pelvis, if those are restricted in rotation, then, yeah, you're going to pull, right? You know, you get a client, you know, you put them up and you say, okay, Go put your hand on your pec as you do internal and external shoulder rotation. You know, like feel that pull on the chest when your shoulder's moving. Now think about that trickle effect yeah. all the way down. So when somebody does have shoulder limitations, where's the first place that you look? Well, oftentimes I look at the hips. Where okay. what are the hips doing or not doing? Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, do you source most of your movement from your shoulders? Mm -hmm. And if you source move most of your movement from your shoulders, well, okay, let's, let's figure out why the hips, you don't want to use your hips. Mm -hmm. You got that hip restriction, so everything up, upstream is is clearly affected. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll still look at the shoulder joint rotation mm -hmm. first, see what's going on, but then look downstream too, just like Dennis talking about. But yeah, once you open up that thoracic spine, oh. even if the, the shoulder rotation and the joint isn't that great, I think it'll it'll save you from getting injured because you'll at least be able to get into a position to to handle the force. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's a nice mix mixture of both. Mm -hmm. But I think too many people when they have a shoulder issue, that's all they focus on is that. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay, what else is how is what affected that? Mm -hmm. Because that's obviously not the source. Mm -hmm. So okay, we can keep addressing that if you want, but ultimately we gotta figure out what contributed to that area. Yeah, yeah. You know what chain effect took place, and or what chain effect didn't take place. Mm -hmm. But yeah, practicing internal external rotation, you know, grabbing a dowel or a stick, mm -hmm. is really key to just ma helping maintain just good overall health mm -hmm. in the shoulder capsule. Once again, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, yeah. even just a couple times a week yeah. makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we got our external internal shoulder rotation drills that we teach. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, if you did those like twice a week, you'd be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a nice combo for people that could do at home if they don't have any sticks or anything is put your fingertips on a, on a door jam and get into a really light hang where your legs are on the ground. Mm -hmm. And then follow that up with an isometric press into the door jam and yeah. you're get both sides of the joint. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a nice way to get some load in there too. Well, I, or a towel. Towel works yeah. great. Towel works yeah. great. Mm -hmm. You grab a towel, you put it on the backside of the bicep, and then you use the bottom of the towel and your other arm to create that leverage as your external rotation. Towel behind your back, pushing and pull, uh, pulling apart on it to address that internal shoulder rotation and external at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So I think towel, that's a nice handy little thing that everybody has. Yes. Right? Yeah. No matter where you are, yeah. if you're at home, in the bathroom, at a hotel, <laughs> there's a towel. Like you can easily do that, yeah, right? Drip dry, yeah. <laughs> Feels like that. we don't own towels. Yeah. <laughs> Stand in front of a fan. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, that's an easy tool that everyone has access to. That yeah. you, you can work that external and internal shoulder rotation.
like through breathing, I just heat my body up and dry off. <laughs> so, okay, well, there's another app. It's like, so how does breathing affect, you know, if, if somebody's an upper, a fight or flight breather all the time, right? They never down regulate, they're always up regulated, mm-hmm. right? Well, that creates shoulder restriction because mm-hmm. yeah. you're all just locked up, even from the spine. So yeah. Like the first place I tend to look is the spine. That's a, if mm-hmm. someone comes in with shoulder problems, I'm like, let's look at the spine. Let's mm-hmm. see how your spine moves, rotation, extension, flexion. But with any kind of drill, breath work makes the biggest difference. Yeah. It's like, because even with internal rotation, like someone like starts to go in, they're like, oh, you can, you can hear super erratic, hear, very yeah. short. It was like, hey, like, let's come out of that a little bit. Let's relax your breathing, long breaths, three seconds in, three seconds out, all of a sudden it kind of frees up a bit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that neuromuscular response has a lot to do with how they're dysfunctioning on a day-to-day. Yeah, it's that protective mechanism that mm-hmm. people go into, right? So yeah, I mean, we see it when we teach, you know, the stretches, especially the long duration stretches where mm-hmm. you, you get people that just breathe. Yeah. Nice full inhale, nice slow full exhale, and then you kind of over a period of could be anywhere from a few seconds up to a minute or so. All of a sudden, you'll see people kind of just, their body just release. Mm-hmm. And they get deeper into that position. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, breath work greatly affects how your body responds. Yeah, because if you're always in that fight or flight type of, mm, you know, some people's jobs contribute to that a lot. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so it's kind of like you're trying to tell people, look, you can do as much mobility work as you want. Mm-hmm. But if your fight or flight response is always on and you're always upregulated, mm-hmm. you're kind of wiping out the progress that we're making when we do that. You know, when we put you through these drills, you're just kind of counterbalancing. You're you're canceling it because you're always yeah yeah. Breathing is the first thing I look at when putting people in drills. And what's funny is I actually don't ever cue them to breathe. Not not initially teaching them. Well, yeah, but you then, want to see, well, yeah. But I just want to see what they look like, and then as soon as they get in the drill, I'm like, hmm, you need to relax a little bit. Let's yeah. come out of that a bit. So I find that like, uh, honestly, a lot of breath work, but what the majority of people tend to be, tends to be very helpful with just allowing a little bit more freedom of that movement, particularly with any kind of rotational drill, mm-hmm. either that be shoulder, spine, or even hip. Well, I know changing my breathing pattern greatly reduced the chronic tension I had in my traps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always felt like my traps never shut down mm-hmm. until somebody was all like, yeah, you don't breathe very well. I mean, you don't breathe very well. You don't breathe very well. And so then when they were teaching me how I, a better way to breathe, and I focused on it and practiced it, especially in the car, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, man. Like, yeah. You just feel better. You're like, yeah, yeah chronic tightness in the yeah, traps. Yeah. Just dissipated. Yes. It just, and that right there was like, oh, this breathing shit works. Yeah. That's yeah. an important little part. But yeah, well, but that's not something we teach as an industry. That's the thing. We, we don't. We it's don't the teach not it. sexy stuff, right? It's, 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 it's the stuff it's, that, it's that the nobody not, wants to really get right? into, but it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're talking about easing somebody's like stress response and need somebody's nervous system to go, okay, I can calm down and like chill out a little bit, which oftentimes that pain or that perception of pain goes away. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. now you're not super uptight. Your body's not super tense. Like the average person's like, oh yeah, I hold a lot of stress in like my neck and my shoulders. It's like, yeah, it's because your breathing isn't as proper mm-hmm. as it should be. Mm-hmm. So if you fix that, now you start to fix some of those peripheral things that are going on. You think that if someone has a better cardiovascular base, though, they that breathing gets fixed? Not necessarily. Naturally. Yeah, not, no, yeah, not necessarily. So. Because I think that depends on a person's perspective of what they're doing on a day to day and whatever. And granted, that changes. Yeah. 
But just because someone has a good cardiovascular system, that doesn't mean they know how to breathe either. They don't know how to breathe properly. So someone can like go run 10 miles and they could crush 10 miles, but then you try to cue them to breathe in and all of a sudden it's, it's tricky for them mm-hmm. because they never put in the actual practice outside of that particular activity. So if that's the case, then what they're doing in their activity probably doesn't reflect that well based on what they're doing or not in that activity. So the, in that regard, then if you bring them to a more optimal breathing pattern, you actually should see a increased output. That, yeah. When they, so if that person, generally speaking, crushes 10 miles, mm-hmm. then you should see a better output system. So you should see them crush 10 miles even more efficiently. Yeah. Less effort. Less effort, right? Or they can do it quicker or they're just not nearly working as hard. So like if that baseline of fixing breathing fixes everything, which is, is so fascinating, but that core training manipulates everything that you do when it comes to fitness or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, telling people that breathing is core training, that people just look at you like, okay, weirdo. Yeah, yeah. And that's the sad part. Mm-hmm. They do, they look at you like, are you sure about that? You're like, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty much a fact. Like you gotta learn how to breathe and, sub- and support the rib cage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not overwork this tissue area, but support the rib cage and that's core training. Well, it's like when we learn those forced exhales. Oh. Fantastic, intense, right? Yeah. That's intense. Super intense. Like yeah. I never felt my spinal tissues. I mean everything. Yeah. Until that forced those, exhale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like to really feel the spinal tissues, the multi, the multifidi and the spinae erector, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And like, when you're really forcing it out. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because people don't think they can force out as much as they actually have ability to. Yeah. They kind of freak out. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is as much I can get out. You're like, no. You got more. You got more. Yeah. Like, you got more. Mm-hmm. But now you got to, there's that mental barrier, right? There's that toughness. Like, okay, you're uncomfortable, but you have access to more. Yeah. And then when they actually do start to get into it, then you see that look on their face like, oh, crap, I do have more. Yeah, it's there. Mm-hmm. It's there. And then they get that tissue, that, that reaction all the way up and down the spine. And you're like, that's your deep core tissues. Yeah. Those are the ones you just really aren't working enough of. I think one of the first drills that I actually learned to do that with years ago was alligator breathing. And for me, that was tough because I never, I never learned breathing within that capacity. But like I used to have like my back be like super stiff. I'm like, oh shit, my back hurts all the time. Like I'm super, super stiff, super sore. But then like five minutes of like alligator breathing a day, immediately went away well i could do a a video on on how to yeah so what's the alligator breathing so so for people who don't know alligator breathing is when you lay face down on the floor Mm. you typically have your head rested on your hands but what you're getting is you're getting tactile feedback from the floor Mm. so if you're breathing in properly or breathing into your lower diaphragm you're going to feel that pressure pushing of your stomach pushing into the ground but you'll feel your spine kind of start to rise a bit as you inhale but as you exhale you're gonna feel like almost like a little bit of a posterior tuck to a small degree, mm-hmm. but those lower abdomen tissues really fire, like fire really f- hard. So for me, when I did that, it w- I would cramp. Honestly, oh, I would cramp. Mm-hmm. Like when I first started do- doing it, it would like it'd be like, oh my god, I'm like I'm cramping super hard. So the alligator breathing was a very first way I learned it. Then from a quadruped position, mm-hmm. and then from like a like a loaded plank position, and then mm-hmm. kind of went off from there. So I progressed it over time. Yeah. But the alligator position is the, the easiest, the absolute easiest way to actually kind of learn that. Either if you're doing it from an alligator or if you're doing it from a supine position. 
because a lot of people forget that too, is that yeah, yeah, yeah. from a supine position, you get that feedback from your low back. As yeah. soon as your low back like presses into the floor, everything expands 360. Now you got that feedback that you need or using a belt, which is why if I have somebody use a belt, specifically for that. Mm. I haven't done that. I need to try that. I've done it with like laying on your back, yeah, putting put something on yeah. a plate or a yeah. shoe to start off. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, watching that thing, making sure it's moving. Mm -hmm. But I've never tried like prone and then going through all the different things yeah check that out yeah that's that's how that's how i learned it and actually yeah. it was from a great cup oh okay i was, I was learning i was learning yeah. the, through looking at his stuff and he was mm. like if you want to get breathing down this is the first mm. thing to master and it took me a little while it took me about two weeks two weeks of doing it every day to actually kind of get it down but once i got it down everything felt a lot better hmm you know, I think the most impactful breathing thing for me has been just nasal breathing, focusing yeah. on nasal breathing mm -hmm. more so than anything, you know, training as hard as I can, breathing just through my nose, mm -hmm. trying to sleep, just breathing through my nose, Yeah, all that. And I feel like if you can do that, that helps regulate the way you should breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big time. You know, naturally. Right? Naturally. Yeah. 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 You'll know when you can really lock in on your nasal breathing, you'll know when you're really kicking into high gear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've, I've noticed. Like I know when I'm in high gear cause I'm not nasal breathing, but mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. that doesn't require high, high amplitude output. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm nasal breathing. Yeah, mm -hmm. too. So you get a much clearer delineation of what maximal effort is or what high effort mm -hmm. is. Cause then also you're like, the mouth kicks in mm -hmm. cause your brain's all like, okay, we can usually good with this nasal breathing, but you need to crank it up a little bit more. Yeah. We're in that we're in that big area, so we need to get more oxygen. It's funny because Sherry the other day she said that with her hiking, she's like, "Yeah, she did this one hike, and she goes, I was able to nasal breathe the entire way up.' I was like, freaking awesome! Oh yeah, I was like, good. Oh, yeah. It's taking it's taking her a long time. Mm -hmm. It's taking her a long time, and more more most of that is just yeah up here you got to be uncomfortable it's, un it's, uh, uncomfortable. it's, it's here it's uncomfortable. it yeah. really is it's your ability to mm -hmm. okay like i gotta push through this mm -hmm. like it's a it's a tough spot so can i just bear with it and mm -hmm. and override that little bit of a freak out that your brain is gonna kind of send you mm -hmm. a little bit so yeah but i was like yeah, good for i was super proud of it I was yeah. like, good for mm -hmm. you that's awesome how often do you incorporate Strictly nasal breathing in your training. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Do you do it just like to try to keep yourself at a certain level? I do it. And then, I mean, it, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to sprint hard, mm -hmm. then I can't. Oh yeah. Like, well, no, there's, no there's, there's no way. There's no way. But if it's a little, say it's a longer stretch, say it's like up this hill, it's almost a quarter mile, about yeah, point, point 0.2 miles. I'll run as hard as I possibly can. You know, nasal breathing, and then right before I know I need to breathe through my mouth, is I'll, I'll start walking. Oh, mm, okay. So you kind of so I kind of know, like, yeah, way. yeah. I'll kind of know right away. Like I gotta breathe through my mouth. All right, I get, I'm gonna walk. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'll see as far as I can go without breathing through my um, through my mouth. Oh, that's good self regulation. Yeah. Cause I'll I'll do it if I'm doing like kettlebell training or like yeah. certain kind of conditioning, yeah. like with sleds. Swings. Oh yeah, okay. Sleds. Oh, it's it's uncomfortable as hell, mm -hmm. people. But it's but like I'll like I just did like an hour of sled pushes this past weekend, and for about eighty percent of it, I just I just I was just breathing through my yeah. nose yeah. and just trying to just regulate that as much as I possibly could. But like it's it's good to it's it's a good skill to have. But I was reminded of it actually like during pandemic. 
Oh, funny enough, during the first part of the pandemic, I think I was, I forgot who I was watching, mm-hmm. but they were talking about nasal breathing and I was like, okay, I need to, I need to incorporate this back in. Mm-hmm. It sucked. Yeah, it sucked. But after a couple of weeks, I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting the hang of this. Yeah. So it's a matter of training it. That, but yeah. once you kind of get beyond that uncomfortableness, it becomes a lot more like, okay, I don't freak out as much. It's kind of like you were saying, right? People's initial responses, I can't breathe enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. You, yeah, your brain's all like, no, you need to open up your mouth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, I really, you know, if you're into doing partner training type thing, but yeah, wrestling and grappling or just having somebody even try to bear hug you and move you. Mm-hmm. Something as simple as that. And can you maintain nasal breathing as you're resisting them, right? Just something as simple as that. You know, that can be that can be a great way. You know, ground-based athletes have to work on that all the time. That's one of the most important things they have to figure out is how not to freak out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you go, like, the rest of your body just goes right into panic mode. Yeah. So there was a movie I watched a long time ago. I think it was with Billy Blanks. And he was, he was training. He was on the beach. And he basically... Got a little cup of water. Oh, held in his mouth. Held in his mouth, ran, and then had to spit it back out in this cup of water. Ah, uh, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. A, I mean, that's a great way to do it. That's that's a true test. That's, that's, that's a good test. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Either that or wearing, putting some tape on your mouth. Yeah. I think I just saw, um, what's his name from uh, T Nation. I saw him do that like a while ago. Great. Took, took some water in his oh, mouth, yeah. pushed sleds for however long, and spit it back out. Yeah. That 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 is a that's a that's hard. that's hard. That is hard. God, that movie was like in the late eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know what they were doing back then. I was like, that that was hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would drink that water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell them like, mm, that was tasty. Mm. Yeah, that was ah, that's funny shit. Yeah, the coach would be like, "Where's the water?" Yeah, in here. And then now I'm like, "Oh, it's for breathing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> interesting. Very nice. Well, hopefully you enjoyed the uh, episode and uh, focus on your shoulder range of motion, but understand that there are different, many, a lot of different factors that will dictate why your shoulders may be restricted. Everything from the hips to the spine to improper, inefficient breathing, we should say. So uh, until next episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and whatever platform you're on, either Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, please, if you could leave a review, we'd appreciate that. If you have any questions that we can answer for you, be sure to leave those in the comments also. If you're looking for more information on our education, our products, please go to www.stickmobility.com. And also hit that subscribe button to that YouTube channel. And don't forget 